Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 67 of Opera After Dark. last week's episode, we had a great conversation with David and Francisco Salazar of OperaWire, where we heard about uh, some great opera productions coming up in the 2018-2019 season, particularly in the U.S. And in today's episode, we're going to take our conversation outside of North America, mainly over to Europe, to talk about what exciting things are happening around the world. So thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this inside look from Opera Wire on what we can look forward to this opera season. Best casts uh, that the European opera houses have lined up this year is a new production of Die Frauen shot in um, at the Vienna State Opera. Okay. I mean, the fact that you have three—I always say three results: Camilla Nyland, Evelyn Herlitzius, and Nina Stemmer in one cast—is just incredible. And to top that off, you have a, a great tenor like Stephen Gould and uh, Wolf- mm-hmm. Wolfgang Koch, and Christian Tillemann conducting. And I think you have what a night to remember. So that's right, something right. for me. I think that's one of the the biggest highlights for me uh, this season at the Vienna State Opera, among the many productions that they're doing. Right, right. They year. do their output is as much, if not more, than the Met. Right. So their, oh, their output more. is much yeah. more than the Met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they 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 present more operas in less and less performances of those operas. Right. And some of the operas they also present at different time periods, and they have two to three different casts of the works. You know, mm-hmm. let's say like for Elysium d'Amore, they have like three casts. With the Don Giovanni, they have like three casts. And sometimes mm-hmm. those casts get two performances each. Yeah, so they're wow. not getting then more. I, they're not getting seven per- performances or six performances or five performances. Two. I mean, right. Some operas get just two shows. Yeah. Wow. At mm-hmm. the end. Do you guys so that, have? I mean, that, do you know or do you have any guesses on on why they do that? Ah, uh, I can't really tell you i can tell you that they're 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 one of they sell they're out most of their shows i mean they're a machine they sell right. at 99.9 what 99.9 percent yeah, of their performances, of the performances get sold, sold out, out that's what i've heard yeah they're one yeah. of the leading comp- companies in the world and they have and all the big stars want to perform and, there and we, when we talk to singers they always speak very highly of vienna okay. even though mm-hmm. they even though they rarely have rehearsal time period yeah. because it's a it's a repertory house, right? So a lot of the a lot of the singers they they don't get much um, much rehearsal time, but but it's still some a place where most most of the great singers go. Yeah, yep. man, that sounds great. I would love to go. Naomi, have you been to to Vienna to this Staatsoper? 
I I have actually. We went there on my honeymoon. So. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's a dedicated we, opera fan. That's we a good saw honeymoon. we it was, and we saw La Traviata, and actually, it was in May and kind of the middle of May, and so I wasn't even sure if not. I wasn't really familiar with the Vienna opera season, and so I wasn't even sure if they would have opera going on at that time and it mm-hmm. just seems like there's always something happening at the Vienna Staatsoper mm-hmm. no matter what I mean they have one month off and right. September 11th they open up again wow yeah and Vienna is just such an incredible city like you get uh, you uh get out of the airport and you're in the terminal and you look on the walls and there's just like music scores pasted yes. everywhere and that's how they decorate the airport and it's just like right. an opera driven season uh, like city you know yes I mean you feel very immersed in in the world of classical music when you're there yes. and yeah. so it's it's Definitely. hard not to just fall in love with the whole ambiance of the whole city and then to go to the opera and i one thing i will i remember about that trip to the Staatsoper is that their intermissions are also extremely short. Oh, nice. And so it's one of those things where, like, everyone has, they know what to do at intermission. There's, like, a routine. You take a little break. You go back in. And then the applause at the end is endless. Like, mm-hmm. people stay for, I think we stayed for a half an hour applause. And Placido Domingo was singing. So it was... <laughs> well deserved right but it was right. one of those things where just the gratitude from the audience was so mm-hmm. heartfelt and immense that, that is not an american thing <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because every i yeah. think every every single country has their own kind of like intermission uh culture r- yeah culture like you know you mm. go to the english the, not the english national opera you go to the royal opera house and they have ice cream in the intermission oh really and everyone yes. goes and buys their ice cream yeah that's something yeah. that i've experienced every single time and i've never had my ice cream that i should do the next time yeah <laughs> really it's, you have to it's part of the culture Yes. Yeah, yeah. One other production that I think is going to be really interesting uh, is at the Berlin State Opera. They're doing um, Cherubini's uh, Medea, and it's mm. going to be with Sonia Yoncheva and Charles Castronovo, and uh, Daniel Brambrom is going to uh, conduct it. And one interesting fact is it's going to be Sonia Yoncheva's 50th role, uh, oh, so wow. it should be uh, an interesting uh, role for her. She's following in the footsteps of, uh, as she as they, they said, Maria Callas, she just did Pirata, and now she's doing Medea. Uh, nice. So yeah, it's I, kind feel, of like, I feel like I feel like she uh, she's just exploded over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Like now, you mm-hmm. everywhere you look, she's she's doing something else, um, and she's also been in and now a, a few Met Live in HD. Uh, well, she actually said three this this year. Three. Yeah, right. she set a, a Met record for the most um, HD yeah. broadcast in a single season. I think well, so. Which yeah. is great Absolutely because correct. then, like the, I mean, the worldwide audience can get to see the great work that she's doing, mm-hmm. um, and it just keeps coming. Exactly, it's it's coming. It's it's getting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Um, right, right. Production I'm really excited for in Paris is Les Uono. Um Bear uh-huh. is a composer that I, I mean, I, Le Prophète is one of my favorite operas, and I feel like he's a composer that it's about time that he gets his due. Yeah, I know definitely. that his operas are extremely difficult to produce and, you know, they're very long and they require really gymnastic kind of quality singing. But, I mean, it's interesting to see that he's now he's starting to come back into the mainstream, if you will. And mm-hmm. also, Ermanola Jaho is also going to be in that production. And she uh, just did Madame Butterfly at the Met. And let me tell you, that was one of the most memorable Madame Butterflies I've ever seen in my entire life. That's saying a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I imagine you've seen you've seen a few, so that's I have. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, particularly in that production, usually, well, I shouldn't say usually, but sometimes that production steals the show for people. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's great to have a singer that can really stand out above that. Yeah, for sure. There's another really uh, great production that's coming this season, um, and that's that's Porgy and Bess at the English National Opera. Oh, and nice. I think one of the reasons that, you know, I think I, I, speaking to Nicole Cabell, who's actually going to be performing uh, the lead, lead role of Bess in her first uh, production of uh, of Porgy and Bess complete. I think it's so great to see a renaissance of this work that for so long it had been ignored. And now I think it's finally returning and it's finally getting its due. And what's great about this ENO production is it's also the production that's going to the Metropolitan Opera that will be mm-hmm. opening in a few in a few seasons. And oh, it's also going to be no a Dutch National Opera uh, production. So it's something that I think is going to be given a great look. Uh, a lot of the Mets productions have actually come from the English National Opera, mm-hmm. and a lot of those productions have been really well received, including um, the Madame Butterfly that we were just talking about. So I think that's something that um, we is definitely going to be an interesting thing to look out for. Very nice. It's always mm-hmm. cool with those uh, productions that are being performed at multiple houses. It's exciting to look at the reviews and see the response to the production when it happens overseas mm-hmm. and then get to yeah. then anticipate and get to see it when it comes to, say, the Met or, or wherever you're able to see it. Absolutely. Um, oh, go ahead. I mean, like, like this season, Marnie is going to be is a co-production with the ENO. And, you know, right. we read some of the reviews that came out last season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that production has evolved from house right, to house right. and how the opera has also evolved from house to house. Was that also? For sure. I know it's Isabel Leonard will be starring um, at the Met. Yeah, uh, at the Met, which will also be in HD, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, was she performing at ENO as well? No, no. Oh, okay. the, the role was actually created for Sasha Cook. Oh um, wow! And Daniel Okolich. So the, huh. they were the original casts for for the uh, for for that uh, opera. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So even another element to see the same production, but in a new house, and then also potentially mm-hmm. with a new cast. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. And that's a, that's a process that the Met ha- did before with Nico Muli's first opera with Two Boys, because yeah. it yeah. also was at ENO first and then came to the Met afterwards. So. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. Nice. Have you have any of you guys been to ENO? Have you seen a production there? Well, I've actually been to the, the, the London Coliseum. They actually did the um, the opera awards there this past year. And they've oh, been very doing nice. The past two years. So I got to see the theater. I didn't get to actually experience what the, you know, opera is like. Yeah. But let me. But I can tell you that the theater, the London Coliseum, is absolutely gorgeous. It is. Mm. It's very, it's smaller than the Royal Opera, um, but it's. But it's just as beautiful, and it's just you feel at home when you go there. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I was wondering mm-hmm. what what it is about that house that makes it such a good companion with the Met, as far as developing productions that will come. Over. It's actually a great question because when I interviewed the the people that designed the production of Marnie, they said that it was interesting to to take this tiny little stage, and then try and blow everything up for a bigger stage like the Met. I, I would I would wonder what the I mean, I don't know exactly what the relationship is there, but it is very right. interesting that there is that partnership, there is that kind of 
continuity between these two companies where you premiere production and art, you know, and then you bring it to the Met. But it might also have to be something to do also with the Met trying to bring English language operas and E&O being so all about that. Sure. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I think that happens with a lot of, a lot because, you know, you go to the Royal Opera House and the Royal Opera House is, is not a big theater either. And the stage is not as big as the Met, but you have productions like the Menon production, which first came to the Royal Opera House mm-hmm. and then was at the Met. So, uh, so I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I guess they have to fit it to their, to, to the stage and they have to adapt and do certain things. I know that certain productions, like I remember a few years back when the Chia de la Mermour opened at the Met in 2007, eight, they were going to bring that production to San Francisco, but the production was so big, they couldn't, um, they couldn't, they couldn't adapt to the San Francisco stage, oh, but wow. yet it was, they were able to bring it to La Scala a few years later. So I'm not, I don't know. I mean, it's a really interesting thing to, to really, to consider, to, to consider yeah, and to analyze. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I have been to the Dutch National Opera, and at least in their case, they have a, a really big stage. It's not the biggest right. house, but it's a big stage. It's, it's very wide. Um, and so, like, they did uh, the Guillaume Tell that came over to the Met. Um, right. And so I thought that it would, there would have to, you'd have to have more of that compatibility, but it really sounds like that's not the case, that mm-hmm. the, the directors and designers really have to do a good job of figuring out how to retrofit for the stage that they're working on. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that they have to do. For yeah. sure, and I'm sure they talk about those things well in advance because most of these are co-productions, and right. you know, you they're funding it together. So I, I can't imagine that they don't have those, they don't consider those things beforehand. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're right. I I believe that the Pearl Fishers that Damrau was in at the Met was also a shared production, but I can't remember what theater did it first. But there was qu- quite a bit of uh, like very subtle tweaking after its European premiere before it came over to the Met, and so. I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna verify that for you in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. I just I remember reading all kinds of reviews about it when before it opened here because I was lecturing on it, and then the things that the reviewers had specifically called out in the review that they didn't like when I went to see it, I was looking for these things and they weren't even part of the production anymore. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. They must have. Well, seriously tweaked mm-hmm. the de- the design or subtle elements of it that seemed to put off some of the critics in Europe before they brought it over. But I don't well, know. Entire, that was a co-production with Eno as well. Right, that's what <laughs> right, I thought. Right, yeah. yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Or, I'm, <laughs> sens- I'm sensing a trend. Yeah. There's a big trend. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Huge trend. So, uh, so what else do we have to look forward to uh, in Europe? Or, or perhaps what do we what do we have to dream about if if we can't go? <laughs> I think we can talk about um, Roberto Devereaux at the Bayerisch Staatsoper, mm-hmm. which is going to um, star Sandra Varvinovsky and Edita Guberova, alternating the role of Elizabeth. Oh wow, Queen Elizabeth. I just think that um, when you have someone like Sandra who did, who did this role at the Met and was just right. on fire in his queens. And of course, any chance at this point that you can see Edita Guerroa um, is something to treasure. to treasure. Because while she's no longer in her prime, she's still a singer who can really complete you know, completely blow you out of your out. And I mean, in this role, this is her signature role. Mm-hmm. So at this point, if, if you can see her, it's something to treasure, like Dave said. 
Very yeah, nice. That's that's one. Um, <laughs> in um, Royal Opera House Musket, they're doing a new production of Lacme, which oh, is not nice. very performed that often. Right, oh right. wow! And, and it stars a very nice, a really young cast: um, Russian tenor Sergei Romanovsky and mezzo soprano Rafaela Lupinacci, who Lupinacci, excuse me, who we recently interviewed, and um, her interviews actually was published last week. Oh, great! Um, we'll have to link to doing, it. Mm-hmm. They're they're performing in the opera, uh, as well as Mexican soprano Karen um, Garcia Garcia Mm-hmm. And this production is in collaboration with a million different theaters. <laughs> um, LA Opera, Teatro dell'Opera di Roma, uh, the Arena di Verona, Teatro Carlo Felice Genoa, the Cairo Opera, the Astana Opera, the Shanghai Oriental Arts Center, and Opera Australia. So wow. I wow. imagine there's if you, you have all those companies putting money into this production, it's got to be something. Yeah. But but let me just tell you that the, the performers, these singers, uh, Sergei Romanovsky right now is actually performing uh, in Pesaro in uh, in the new production of Richardo Ezraida. and he's one tenor to look out for. And this this Mexican soprano Karen, um, I can't pronounce her name correctly, so I won't. Um, <laughs> she's also making a lot of headlines around the world. Uh, yeah. And I was researching her, and her voice is incredible. And Rafaela Lupinacci is also. An incredible mezzo-soprano, as Dave said, we've just interviewed her, and is one of those singers who is 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 bound to be have a very very great career uh, in this nice. And this opera is this opera is quite underrated. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially it's especially I mean, because it's everyone knows knows the bell duet. song mm-hmm. and knows the duet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So isn't it great to finally be able to hear the work in its entirety and know what the context of these two very popular <laughs> hits are. I mean, I yes, think that, that's, that's something I want to see. I haven't seen this opera, and I would love to see it. Right, right. Everybody right. hears the duet, especially, and they think, oh, my gosh, I just love that, and they have no idea of the mm-hmm. context or, or anything that has to do with it. So. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I believe that Lily Pons holds the record for the most singing the most lacmes at the Met, and mm-hmm. it's near impossible for anybody to break that record because they almost never never do it. <laughs> right? right. Exactly. And so just definitely an underrated work that's exciting to see it on a season again. Yeah, and absolutely. And will you guys yes. tell us again which which house is it going to be at this season? The Royal, that's at the Royal Opera Musket. 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 Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you know better than I. So, yeah, that sounds great. It's in Oman. It's in Oman. And then there's just a couple of more that to close it out all out. Um, sure, sure. We have so at, at La Scala. Can't forget La Scala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um they're they've been this these past few years they've been very good about doing early verdi, um, which I think mm. is great because there's a lot of hidden gems in there. Um I'm not a huge fan of Imas Nadieri, but they are doing it. They have a good cast and it's gonna be directed by Sir David McVicker. Um, mm. So Aww. that should definitely be something to look out for, and I mean, I'm a huge Verdi lover. I, but um, and Imaginarietti is a work that you know it's not my favorite, like I said. But I think it's definitely great that they're giving opportunity for people to reconsider it and to to check check it out. Well, I think sure. one of the things about La Scala these last few years is that they've been focusing a lot on Italian music. They've been focusing a lot on, on re- resurrecting a lot of the Italian classics, um, bringing back some of the Italian operas that 
are rarely performed. And as Dave said, they're performing Imaz al Yeti, which is exciting because it's a work that's rarely ever performed. And they're they're about to actually do a new production of Obernani, and they're opening this upcoming season uh, in December with with Attila. So I mean, you have these three early Verdi works, uh, which are never performed, right. um, mm-hmm. and it's so great to finally not only get to see them, but also get to see the star treatment that they're giving these these right. these 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 works, and that's right. important. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people that are just <coughs> die-hard Verdi fans. Like, they cannot mm-hmm. get enough Verdi. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that, that the some houses would want to program even the lesser-known works uh, just so we have a chance to hear them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're important works as well because it's always important to hear where the composer comes from because they don't ever come and immediately compose their big masterworks. It's sure. not That never happens. And in that same vein, um, I mean, this isn't going to be an opera production, but they do are doing a concert version at the um, Opera de Monte Carlo. They're doing Lisa Miller, which is an oh, amazing yeah. opera. Oh. And it's going to be starring Roberto Lania and his wife, Alexander Kutsak. And they're Aww. both making role debuts. And they're both making role debuts. Mm-hmm. So, That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and that music is just something special. One more. Oh, There's two me. more actually that we, we completely missed out on. Um, one was at Opera House Zurich as a revival of, of, of Electra and um, uh, Evelyn Herlitius, uh, who uh, oh. is one of the greatest, I think, in my opinion, the greatest Electra right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's performing alongside Walter Meyer, um, and Walter Meyer is also kind of winding down her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. for all those are the audience, I think it's an incredible opportunity to see that. Sure. And um, the last one that we wanted to talk about was actually at the English National Opera, and that's production. So we did break our rule. We did break one. our rule. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. You, you've done an amazing job to this point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so hard not to put uh, Philip Glass's Akhenaten. Uh, which is yes, yes. a work that's also getting a revival. Um, and, you know, you, you're seeing more Philip Glass in more opera houses. You know, Sacha Graha is being performed in other houses as well. 
But Achnaim um, is a work that we're going to be seeing soon at the Met, actually, with... After the NL. After the NL, with <laughs> Andrew Rothkastanzo. <laughs> so it's also something to look out for. But this is a revival at the ENL, which is a mm-hmm. production that was acclaimed a few years back with Anthony Rothkastanzo, and he's coming back to do that work. So um, for right now, for the, for the uh, UK, that's something to look out for. We will see it soon in, in America as well. <laughs> Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, if if there's anything that we've learned, it's that if you want to know what's coming up at the Met in the next couple of years, you just need to look at the ENO season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they have a pretty good partnership going right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what I just realized? We just went through this whole list and we didn't mention Wagner once. No, we didn't. Oh, my gosh. No, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. It's fine. Full disclosure, I love Wagner. Full disclosure, I mean, I think think if we were going to talk about Wagner, we had to talk about... Uh, the Ring Cycle, which is basically everywhere this season. You go to the Royal Opera House, they're reviving and the, the, their production and they're doing the Hall thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Metropolitan Opera is obviously uh, the reviving um, the Robert Lepage uh, production with Christine Gorky. Right. Uh, the Chicago Lyric Opera is going to continue their production with Siegfried with Christine Gorky. Um, and Geneva is doing a production of The Ring Cycle. Um, I mean, San Francisco just came off. Yeah, they just did. Uh And that was one of the I think that cast was just absolutely incredible. Um, The Munich Bayerischstadtoffer just also came out, came off their production of the Ring Cycle. They actually closed their season with Wagner, with the the, with the Ring Cycle and with Parsifal. And also the Vienna States Opera has also closed their season this year with with uh, with Parsifal. No, with Wagner, with Wagner, with the Ring Cycle. So. It's kind of like a year, this 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 past few years it, it, uh, is kind of like the ring cycle. But if we're going to talk about what we missed, we also missed Bernstein. Bernstein's been celebrated all oh, over right. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and still, still in a couple of and places. And it's still yeah. going to be. But there's but this this upcoming season's programming didn't have as much Bernstein no, as it last season. No, because right. yeah. Trouble with yeah. Tahiti, West Side Story. Um, uh, Candide. Candide was programmed yeah. everywhere yeah, around yeah. the world. And I was fortunate mm-hmm. enough to go see a performance of uh, Candide at, at Carnegie Hall, which is fascinating. And it was a great discovery because I'd never seen a work before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely it's always interesting. Good. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. on the, the subject of Wagner, you know, that's something where not everybody uh, loves Wagner, but the, the people <laughs> that the people that do are the most intense opera fans I think I've ever been around mm-hmm, yep. like if you're a Wagner fan you are loud and proud about it yes <laughs> well you know it's and interesting I was I was just gonna say that it's that the kind of giant explosion of ring cycles lately I find it so fascinating because there was a little bit of a ring cycle drought at least here in yes. New York City for several years and yes. you saw other Wagner coming back quite a bit like lots of De Meistersingers and Tannhäusers and possibly Lohengrin was floating out there but and Parsifal, but then now it's just like the ring is everything. So I just like I just like to mention that you mentioned Lohengrin. I have never seen Lohengrin because it's never been at the Met in a while, in a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. And that's an opera that if, I mean I know that's not the topic of conversation, but I'd love to see the Met bring back Lohengrin at some well, point. Well, they're, they're gonna bring it, they're gonna bring it back. They have announced mm-hmm. it already with with Yannick Nasses again and Anna Trepko, so that's something to to definitely. Uh, uh, keep an eye on. Keep an wow. eye out. Yeah, really. That's, Power that's new. This, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. 
and I'm excited. <laughs> well, they, yeah. they they did announce it. It's a it's a co-production with the Bolshoi uh, Theater. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, they're doing they're doing a three three productions, and it's going to be Aida Salome and and um, and Lohengrin and. Well, and and when they announced it, they said it was going to be it was going to be all Anna Trepko doing all three roles. So it should be a fascinating and interesting thing to to look out for in the wow. next yeah. few years. That's well, she is she is doing uh, Aida this year, is she not? At, she is yes. at the Met, so that's a, that's yeah. a revival. Yes, and a revived production, but people will get to hear her in the role. To, so that was very exciting. Oh yeah, yes. and that's I think that's another one that's live in HD. So it's yes, a yes, it is. Yeah. And it, yeah. <laughs> but but besides this production, there's a new production coming in the, that's going to open the season in a few seasons, and that's going to start her again in, in a completely mm. new production. Yeah, they're getting rid of the the fame yeah. that the oh, this, wow. this this upcoming production will be by Michael Mayer in 2020. Gosh, I, I, uh, I don't want to be in the, the Met box office or in the admin offices when they start to get the phone calls about uh, the Zeffirelli production going away. Uh, perhaps that, that's already that, happening. That Aida's not Zeffirelli. No. Oh, no. I thought no, it was. It's, um, no, no. Oh, my bad. Oh, the name is completely escaping me, but it is not Zeffirelli. It is not. Oh. If, they, if they ever get rid of that Boem, I think is when people are going <laughs> to... Revolt, like that. Some people. I don't think they are. I don't. I no, think a I don't few think years they ago, will. They actually, I think a few years ago, um, the general manager Peter Gelb had the intention of. There was a, there was going to be a new production of La Boheme a few years back, and it was going to start on a Trapco, but they canceled it and they changed it for um, L'Elysée d'Amore that opened this season. Oh wow! So, so good things to good things to look forward to. And I, I guess uh, before we wrap things up, I'm just wondering, should we take bets on whether or not the machine is going to be properly functioning? <laughs> well, I, I heard that they that they did a lot of work to, yeah, to make it. I'm sure it's a I lot better than it was. Yeah. I will say they something. Now that, now that you guys have brought that up, I have not yet. I've seen, so I've seen the, the ring cycle machine when each of the productions kind of premiered and they did mm-hmm. individual runs of each opera. And then mm-hmm. I saw a cycle the next time they revived it and i have yet to go to a performance where the machine has worked properly there i have seen go. i have seen deborah avoid fall off the stay off the machine Ooh. i mm. have seen um the the the, the in siegfried when the fire sequence um transforms into the mountain that reveals brunhilde i've seen the fire just freeze i've oh, seen wow. the windows xp logo at a, at a performance <laughs> of uh, das rheingold um yeah. i've i've heard you know i've seen it all so at this point yeah. i don't I, my bet is that Hopefully, after I don't know many years, many many, many years, years, maybe they yeah. did something about it. But I have a feeling there will be those hiccups at least. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so that's at least one bet for for, for I'm, a hiccup. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm I'm hoping the Met the best for this season. Because, of course. Because I think that they that 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 you know the fact that they have the ring cycle, um, back i think that's a great opportunity and i think they have a great season this year i think yeah. mm-hmm. the variety of repertoire that they have the casting that they put together this season it, it's a much it's a much better uh step up from i think this past season which um a lot of people complained about i found it to be exciting but i found a lot of great performances not always the most exciting repertoire but i think this season they they, they definitely they found a hit they had a sweet spot with the yeah. repertoire yeah so for I, sure I, so I think that regardless if the machine 
fails or not, I think they have a great cast for the ring, and I just hope that you know, Wagner fans and opera fans can really go and enjoy themselves. Very and nice. the music will remain beautiful. So exactly, <laughs> that is true. So yeah. uh, so now that we've really circled the the U.S. and gone around the world a little bit. Uh, we would love to hear, David and, and Francisco, we'd love to hear about what's coming up at Opera Wire. What, what can we look out for for this upcoming season at Opera Wire? Well, we are, you know, we're still working on trying to expand the website in terms of, um, you know, growing it in different areas. We, we have some ideas for, uh, there's going to be some new content that's more mm-hmm. geared from singer to singer. Um, you know, we do do traditional interviews. We do um, a lot of different kind of content. But what we're going to try and do this season, and we've actually started speaking with a lot of noted opera singers, is kind of like, you know, if you're a famous opera singer, what kind of tips do you offer younger singers? Nice. And do features like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping to launch that within the next month or so. Fantastic. And then there's other kinds of, you know, projects that we're, we're trying to get up and started, potentially something to do with a mobile app. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's hopefully a few months away, maybe, maybe longer, but that those are the kinds of things that opera wire is looking to grow into. But I think, I think if you, if, if you followed us, um, throughout the, the year and a half that we've been together, I think, um, for sure, uh, you guys should expect some very interesting interviews, uh, coming this season. We have some very, we have some legendary singers that we'll be speaking to actually, um, in this next few weeks. Wonderful. Um, and very exciting. So, yes, very exciting. Uh, uh, we'll be speaking to some, some of the bigger singers as well. And some of the more up and coming singers, because we always like to highlight. And I and think for the first time, Opera Wire will be in Beijing. Yes, oh, we'll be in Beijing as well. Amazing. Congratulations. Very exciting. Yes. yes. That's wonderful. So, that, so we'll be covering some new opera premieres over there as well in October. That's excellent. So yeah, that's, well, that's <laughs> the fall right now. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Good for you guys. Very You've got a lot, a lot on your plate. You're going to be busy. Yes, we will be. That's, that's the excellent. fall. And, and if all comes, we'll, we'll, you'll, like I said, you'll be seeing some great reviews. Um, we'll be continuing our, our, our features on opera and film. We'll be continuing all the great uh, news and hopefully not too much cast changes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's what we that all we hear. Always, yeah, I always hear. But uh, very, very but that's nice. that's what we that's what we have to to. We're definitely. working on new ways to grow. That's really yeah. kind of where we are right now. And and you know, year one is always nice and easy ride. Year two, you start kind of learning new things about how you need to grow and then you have to just kind of keep on pushing forward so that's where we are right now as a as a as a, you know as an organization as a new site yeah well well we at opera after dark definitely love the work that you guys are putting out there um you're you're providing a great resource to opera fans around the world so so thanks for doing what you do and uh if if people out there that aren't familiar with opera wire want to uh, get in touch with your content. What's the best way to do it? Uh, go to operawire.com. Yeah, go to operawire.com. We also have our Facebook uh, page, which is Opera Wire. We also have our Twitter handle, which is Opera Wire News. Okay. And if you want to see some really great pictures, behind the scenes pictures of we of our uh, with, with interviews with our singers, or just want to just what check out to. what we're up to, Instagram Opera Wire Instagram is always there and we're always updating and we're always uh, uh, putting up 
different types of interesting posts, pictures and curtain calls and what we're up to. Well, fantastic. Well, on, on behalf of Opera After Dark, uh, David and Francisco Salazar, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the great insight that you've provided for today's episode. Thank you guys thank for you having us. Thanks again, David and Francisco, and we hope that you all, our listeners, enjoyed that look into the 2018-2019 season. are excited for uh, all around the world and if you're just you feel like you're dying inside because you can't travel to see whatever it is that you want to see you should let us know because we also feel the same way yes yep (laughs) literally dying inside yes how should people tell us should we talk about on facebook Facebook, yeah. Instagram, Twitter if it's particularly elongated you like really want to tell us a story you can email us Sure. Yeah. Um, any of our first names at operaafterdark.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know what you want to see. Yeah. It should be a good year. There's a lot of things going on opera-wise. A lot of exciting stuff. And if anyone wants to fund an Opera After Dark trip to Baden Baden, to the COC, if you're listening in Baden Baden right now and you have three extra beds <laughs> and a whole mess of airline. Points that or like a are... private jet or something. Oh, right? private jet, <laughs> private jet, yes. Same a little bit higher. Right. right. <laughs> I know. I'm looking for like air mattresses and Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Great no. customer service. Great customer service. But their planes keep falling apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think they fly to Baden-Baden. Thank goodness. So. Yeah. There's a big ocean between us and right. them. So. Oh, boy. Well, we're excited to be back for a whole nother season of Opera After Dark. We hope you guys are excited, too. Follow us on social social media and subscribe to our email list at operaafterdark.com. We will send some previews that way. Yeah, um, make sure you you check that out. Thus starteth a new season. (gasps) Thus starteth a new season. I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. Thanks for listening to this episode of Opera After Dark. Bye. Bye.